0: Day three is the creation of land. And God uh, made the plants and the trees spring forth as well, setting that form. The fullness of that, of course, is the dwellers of the land, the animals that would be in the land. And the, that fullness starts with our land animals. If we are, our base text here is Genesis chapter one, of course. And we are starting in verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So God in his... Form and fullness, the first three days creating the foundation, the form, and in the second three days creating the fullness, starts with land animals. And then we see what we see as the culmination of God. And that's when he creates mankind. That's when he creates us. Nothing else that he created is made in his image except for us. Nothing else can choose between good and evil except for us. Nothing else has any hope of eternity. Everything else he created, we expect what? We expect it all to perish. We expect it all to end and go away and cease to exist. But not us. Not the pinnacle of his creation. Mankind, his children. That's us. All of creation After each day, after each step in the process, what did God say? It's good. Now we have all of creation, including mankind, and what does God say? It's very good. It's very good. Sometimes I look at mankind and I go, are we sure we're very good? I'm not certain. But it's debatable sometimes. But I don't make it a point to argue with God. I hope you don't either. I don't argue with God. He says it's very good. I'm going to take him at his word and say it's very good. And we're blessed. We're so blessed. Genesis chapter 1, skipping down verse 26 and 27. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creature creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. So that last line is is, uh, is kind of a critical point in this as well as we're going to analyze this text primarily for our lesson this morning that that first line again I don't like to argue with God. He says he made male and female and that's it. He said he made two I looked it up. I don't recommend anybody look this up. How many genders are there currently in our present uh, time? You know, for between six and 8,000 years, we've had two. We took God's word on this and just said there's, there's two. Uh, I read in 2014, there were 32. In 2017, there were 37. And there was an article from 2020 citing 52. And that's not just, hey, there's 52. That's, here's a glossary of each one of these terms, and uh, I read one. I thought it said big ender, but it actually was bigender, so that tells you what I know. I, it's all very confusing to me. But again, I don't say any of that to be derogatory or to be hateful or discriminatory. We're called to be better than that. I think we all, we all realize that. But at the same time, as I said a minute ago, I don't argue with God. God said he made male and female, and I think that's the final word on it. Of course, Um, You know, that, that has to be our view, that has to be the church's view, no matter what. Again, we don't argue with God. So, let's look at that particular passage in more detail, where we'll spend most of our time. And the, in His image is the name of our lesson today. But again, I told you we were going to be talking about good news. So, I'll be sharing with you why it is great news that we are created in His image. So when he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Uh, the Hebrew word there for man is a generic term for mankind, which becomes the proper name, Adam, as we know it. So the, uh, the image and the likeness that we see there applies. When I say man, if I say man, just so you know, I'm, I'm talking about mankind, humankind, men and women being absolutely equal on that. Uh, 100% equal, and just as I said above, I don't argue with God. I also don't argue with women. They just have a tendency to be right all the time, and uh, I don't argue with women. But man man and women being very equal in everything that we're going to discuss today uh, in terms of mankind and God's creation. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, if anybody wants to turn there. Actually, before I go there. Before I go there, I want to bring up just a a few points before we dive in too deep. A few points of what I wanted to kind of cover today. My PowerPoint up there is really just an organization of points. It's, It's hopefully for you guys, the studiers and the listeners, to kind of organize where I'm going with this. But I think there's three really, really important things that we can learn from just this passage of being created in God's image. And I wanted to go through those three things primarily as our outline and the first thing is that it reveals the actual character of God for us. And just so you know, this first chapter of Genesis is our introduction to God. Now, we have the blessing of, we've seen the entire word unfolded. You know, the audience at this time, back in these days, may not have seen that. But for us, we've seen that, we know that, and we have that, that ability to see the full picture. But this is one of our, one of our first introductions to the character of God and, and who he is and the primary thing that we should uh, understand first about the uh, character of God, I'll reveal my other points here uh, in terms of mankind and establishing purpose. So as far as the character of God here, we have one true God. And that's an important point to start with. God knew, God is establishing himself as the one true God, the creator and sustainer of everything. God knew that people throughout history, that people coming after this would assign gods for everything, like the God of the sea, the God of the land, the God of love, the God of war. At at this time, as mankind continues on past Genesis 1, they will start to assign different gods to be the blessers and the givers and the, um, I guess, the, uh, the life givers of all of these different things that they have in their life. And God tells us that there's one true God. And if we go over to now, we can go over to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. I'm not reading this exactly word for word. It's a little bit paraphrased. But for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, and in him, all things hold together. So with with that, God is establishing that he is the one true God that He created everything that we see; that He breathed life into it. He created every bit of it, and He filled it all with His goodness. And that's why we study creation so much. You guys are looking. What are we in week four? And we're still in Genesis one. Just so you know, that that's a Mark Mosley class for you right there. So I'm just uh, I'm just here to um, to help out and uh, and. Push this thing along, along with Mark. But you guys know we spend time on this. But it is really, really incredibly important to understand the character of God, the nature of God, where we came from. And in the beginning here, this establishment that there is one God and he controls all. Second thing on this is that God is the source of all blessings. So going down, we're still in Genesis 1, going down to verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Blessing. Blessing is the work of God. All blessings come from our Lord, from our creator, from our father in heaven. The power of anything to grow, to thrive, or to succeed is all because God is working through that particular thing, right? So if, everybody, if anybody watched football yesterday, if you've ever seen it before, a lot of times when they're doing these post-game interviews, they'll speak to an athlete or a coach, and what's one of the first things that athlete or coach might say? First of all, I want to thank God, because without Him, nothing's possible. They say that a lot. A lot of people say that. A lot of athletes say that. A lot of people live by that and believe that because they know. Any ability to succeed or thrive or grow, have success in this life. Any any blessings that were given even on a spiritual level, any amount of growth or wisdom or anything we've attained is all possible only through God. And it's important that we remember that, of course, forever as his children. We know that all blessings flow from him and more about the character of God as God reveals himself as a holy trinity as the father the son and the holy spirit so the creation tells us of God's glory when we when we study the creation and God wanted when he wanted to reveal himself the best when he we can look at the majesty of God by just looking around us and seeing creation and seeing how how majestic and wonderful and beautiful and how perfectly everything comes together. We can see that and we know God's hand is in that. We know God designed that. We know God breathed life into that, that he created that, that he blesses that, that he sustains that. But when he really wanted to show us his humanity, who he really is, his desire to be with us, his desire to commune with us, his desire to redeem us, that was when he sent his son, Jesus. And we know when God says, let us make him in our image, we know what that means, but that includes Jesus in the spirit as well. Jesus obeyed the father in all things. Jesus reflected his father's speech and his father's demeanor. His purpose, his grace, his mercy. We see all of those qualities in Jesus Christ. And we emulate, although we're called to imitate and emulate those qualities and be more like him. And we are very blessed that he sent Jesus and we understand that Jesus is God and was there from the beginning with creation. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. So we understand the importance of Jesus Christ, our brother, our Lord. And we understand the importance of God's Spirit, The Holy Spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit that can help us with our spiritual wisdom, help us with our discernment, help us as we strive to create the fruit of the spirit that that we are, are told about. He gives us comfort, he gives us peace, gives us joy, and he gives us hope. Galatians four tells us that God sent His Son to redeem us, and He sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, so that we would no longer be slave. We would no longer be slaves, but His children. I take a little drink of water here. I turned off my mic briefly there because uh, some of you people can't handle mouth noises or drinking noises. You know who you are. There's a condi- it, it, it has a name, actually, I found out this past week or two. It's called misophonia. It's where just simple noises make you irrationably irritable, and it's okay. I understand. So I turned my mic off for you. At the same time, if I don't drink water, I'll get smacky mouth, and you misophonia people will be ready to get out of here too, so... Totally understand where you're coming from. All right, moving on to our second point is this idea of being created in God's image should and does unite and unify mankind underneath that umbrella. If we were all made in his image, then that should be a unifying factor for every one of us as men and women and mankind. God presents mankind as his loving creation and in his image, in his likeness. He immediately from the very beginning of creation has a lot more in mind for us than the creeping things and the livestock, doesn't he? He's got a lot more purpose for us, not just in the fact that he gave us dominion over that, that he created this wonderful creation and immediately made us in charge of it, made us to be stewards of that. But there's more. From the beginning, he involved us in his work. That was what he was doing. He's involving us in his work. He's saying, I'm creating this amazing world and I'm creating you to be a steward of this world. I'm giving you a position of power over every one of these created things. Genesis 1.29 And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And if I can actually turn this page. And it was so. He involved mankind in everything that he, and part of his creation and what he wanted to do here on this earth. And he gave us a job from the very beginning. We were with him. Um, he didn't just create us just to be one of his creatures or one of his creations or just another thing that shows how powerful he is. He created sons and daughters, he created us to be his children his sons and daughters, stewards of this earth, his amazing creation, and also heirs to, the, to his promise of eternal life in heaven. Even in the genealogy in Luke 3, it ends with Adam, the son of God, who traced the genealogy all the way back to God, and that shows the intention and the purpose of we are his children, not just his, his creation well beneath We are considered his children and stewards of this earth. All right. So knowing that, knowing that every person, male, female, mankind, if you will, every single person was created in his image with that purpose, fearfully and wonderfully made, right? We're included together as God's children. We are fellow heirs. That includes all of us, male, female, all mankind. And it includes all nations. It includes all races, all cultures, all languages. It includes all of mankind. Everything. Everybody gets traced back to who? We say God, but technically after the flood, who does everybody trace back to? Noah. Everyone can be traced back to Noah's family. We are all fellow heirs in that. So, things that we see out in the world now and in history, uh, things like radical nationalism or something that some people call Christian nationalism, it's in opposition to this fundamental truth that we're talking about here. These things are not from God. Racism is absolute hypocrisy. Whether you know you have it or you don't, it's something that we might struggle with and we have to be very, very careful. It is hypocrisy and it has absolutely no place in the heart of a child of God made in His image. What about elitism or any other type of discrimination like that? Is that bearing the image of God? And that's what we have to ask ourselves, really, with any question. You guys remember, it was really popular back in the, I guess, 90s. I don't know, what would Jesus do thing what would Jesus do is is a valid question in everything that we do. And we also have a question that says, does this please God? Megan will sometimes ask the kids, are you being an image bearer? It's great that I got this lesson because I've been hearing so much of this, even in our own home and even Brett, I think, talked about that last week as well uh, with name, image, and likeness and, and bringing that up with being image bearers. That's a great question to ask about our our speech and our conduct and our actions. Are we being image bearers for God? We are called to honor all men and women regardless. We're called to live godly lives before all men and women. And we are called to recognize the humanity and the image of God that's present in all men and women. Let's turn to John chapter 17. I'm going to be reading verses 22 through 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So we see this in Jesus' prayer to God that the desire for unity, for us to recognize each other as fellow heirs, as image bearers of God. And the free will to choose, just as we said before, God didn't desire for us to just simply exist. He didn't want to just put mindless robots, into his beautiful garden, into his beautiful creation. He wanted us to love him. He wanted us to choose him, to desire him, to be obedient to him, and to ultimately have fellowship with him, that this is what God desired from the beginning. And we have that choice. We have the choice all the time, every day. We have the choice to choose obedience to choose righteousness, to choose to walk with God and understand and follow the example of Christ and to allow God's Spirit, Christ's Spirit, into our hearts and study our Bibles and pray every day. We have the opportunity to choose that. If we really, really understand just this book of Genesis, Mark and I are probably only going to take you through the first 10 or 11 chapters. Just understanding this book and what we've discussed so far and understanding the really good news of the gospel is enough to choose God. It's enough. Just those things alone are enough to say, God created me. God loves me. I'm going to stay faithful to Him all of my days. And the gospels really show even further God's humanity and God's plan for us after the fall that we're going to discuss here in a couple of weeks. And my third and final point I wanted to make on this particular passage is that it is establishing purpose. Being created in God's image is showing us what our actual purpose is with our brief time that we get on this wonderful creation. I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Before I do that, you know what I'm going to do? I promise this is not from screaming at my TV for games or anything like that. I've been very, very, very good and calm and quiet. I think my wife would attest to that. All right, Genesis chapter two, verse 18. This is starting to touch on Mark's lesson that he's gonna do next week for us, getting into uh, Adam and Eve and and marriage, the marriage relationship that's established here. But I'm just gonna kind of briefly touch on this. Reading in verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God knew it wasn't good for man to be alone. How did God know that? How did God know that? When God says in our image, what does that tell us about God? It tells us that God is a living and breathing fellowship of three. That God himself is a perfect unity, a fellowship. Jim McGuigan calls it a plural unity when it comes to male and female creation and also when it comes to our Heavenly Father. He breathed life into mankind, and in that breath, when He breathed that life into us, He breathed into us His kindness and His compassion for His creation, for mankind, for others. The capacity that we have for seeing the best in each other, and that breathing from God, that essence that we have also gives us an undying love for others more than ourselves. How many of you, you can raise your hand or not, it's okay. How many of you know a person that you would willingly die for? Or know more than one, maybe two, three, four people that you would just willingly sacrifice your entire life on the spot, no questions asked for that person. That is a blessing from God. That is His Spirit His image, His likeness, breathed right into us. And that's why we feel that. That's why we have that capacity. Jim McGuigan says, God created man as a plural unity, male and female, because man was made for fellowship. And for mankind, in order for mankind to be fully mankind, there must be a social element. So that community and fellowship together so incredibly important to our purpose from the beginning. <clears throat> and then finally, uh, the purpose of our community, of course, with God. God is a community being, as we talked about. McGuigan says a plural being, a plural unity. But God is also very personal, isn't he? God is also very personal. He created this perfect garden to have a relationship with to have a dwelling with his creation, with his people. He's a personal God and he's always wanted and he still continues to want the opportunity to live with us in his perfect garden, in creation, in eternity. And the rest of his word as we study God's word and and read it throughout, that theme is continued all the way through his plan to redeem us. Uh, despite our sin. And Satan knows that, doesn't he? Doesn't Satan know how much we need community together and how much we need community with God? Does anybody have a friend who sometimes has one toe in the world and, and one toe with God? And you're trying to connect with them, you're trying to reach out, they're canceling on plans, they're starting to not show up to things, they're starting to be distant. To, Satan's working on them, they're separating themselves from God moving more towards the world and moving away from our community, our spiritual community. And that's what's so wonderful about this group right here. This is a group of believers all heading in the same direction. And we hold each other accountable. We're able to hold each other accountable, hopefully. We're able to be vulnerable with each other and be honest with each other and help each other as we all strive for the same thing, to get to heaven, to have communion with God Satan knows that. He tries to separate us. We see it in the garden. We see it in our lives. Satan is always trying to separate us from God and from God's people. So be on the lookout. He's crafty. But as as Mark said last week, don't give Satan too much power. We already know who wins this battle. We already know that God made us in His image. And with that, we can defeat it. We can overcome it. We're never tempted beyond what we can actually do handle because that life has been breathed into us, because we are image bearers of God. That's good news. That's the great news that I wanted to share with you this morning, is that because of that, we can overcome. Satan does not have any power over us because of that. We are spiritual image bearers. And there are things that I will sometimes do, no matter what, you guys may may know this, about yourselves, you may see it in your own lives. I can sometimes bear the physical image of my own father. Sometimes I will do or say something and I'll go, Whoa, Billy Owens just came through me and I'm not so sure I like that. That's why those progressive commercials are so genius. We can't we can't stop you from becoming your parents. And they do all these cringy things, as my daughter says, cringy things. They do all these cringy things that parents do. And there's no stopping that. And we end up, whether we like it or not, whether I try to walk different, I walk like my dad. There's so many things that we do that become physical image bearers genetically from our parents, from our family members. But we're called to be like God, to be spiritual image bearers. God is just, God is loving, God is truthful. He's faithful, he's holy. And I'd say being the image bearer of those qualities should make us very, very proud. Having the capacity to be loving like that, to be lovers, to be bearers of truth to the world while still loving people, God's creation, that's a gift that we get from him. It's nothing but a blessing from him. Being image bearers of him. Our Father made us to be image bearers. He made us to be imitators of Christ, ambassadors of His Word, of His glory. He made us to be a salt and a light to this world. He made us to be doers of good works and makers of disciples in the Great Commission as we go out and spread the good news as much as we can. That every person walking on this earth is made in His image and all they have to do is obey Him, accept His Word, and recognize Jesus as their Savior. And we can help them. It's good news. We can spread the good news. We glorify God in existence and function as His image bearer, and we glorify God through our obedience as transformed children of our Father, following Jesus' perfect example. You guys are awesome. Thank you for your attention. I'm going to lead us out with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for creating us, for loving us, for putting us here on this earth with a purpose from the beginning, that you breathed your life into us, that you gave us your son to save us from our sins, that you gave us your spirit to guide us and give us comfort and hope, that you continue to watch over us and bless us every day, that everything we do should be Uh, reflective of you in your image, in your likeness, as we strive to be better together, as we strive to follow your word better and to lead more people to you. We pray that you bless us in that. We pray that you be with us throughout the remainder of our service this morning. Help us all to be edified. Help us all to be lifted up. Help us all to be uh, renewed, encouraged, and motivated to continue to center our lives, our families,